Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin, and my guest today is accomplished musician who's worked with the likes of Stevie Wonder and Prince. And he's an independent artist himself. Mr. Frank McComb, thank you for joining me. Right on, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, it's, a, it's an honor to have you here. I, I'm a fan of your music. My wife was the one who introduced me to your music a long time ago. I can't remember what year. We're going to go into it because the first song I heard that, um, that, that, that she introduced me to was a song called Never Letting Go. Yeah. Yeah. Way <laughs> back you, in 03, I think. Yeah. Did you write that song yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I wrote the music, wrote the lyrics, and, uh, and recorded it. Everything on it is me except the drums and the bass, but all the other stuff is me, I believe. So I don't think anybody else is on it. Then I did it again. <laughs> uh, that was for the Truth Volume 1. In 03, then I did it live on the Live in Atlanta album back in 2009, I think it was. Yeah. Was there inspiration behind that song? Actually, to be honest, no. <laughs> I just like <laughs> writing songs, man. I love, I love great songs. I just, I do. Love great songs, man. It's no, no inspiration at all. Just, you know, I'm always asking God to give me a song, so... I haven't asked him lately, so I need to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, Never Letting Go was was just something I wrote, you know. I like writing songs that um, that minister to people. I like writing songs that minister to relationships and broken people, happy people, just, you know, everybody. It's it's a uh, it's a ministry first, man. It's a ministry first. It's funny you mentioned the word ministry because you actually, from the looks of it, are you actually going to the gospel route or? No, Cause I, I actually, noticed you got a song called We Made It. I just, um, I always like to give back to my creator. I do. I love giving back to my creator because uh, without him, I couldn't do what I do. And uh, I'm versatile. So I don't like to, I don't like to put myself in a box in any way. Um, I just, uh, I, I play piano as well as I sing, sing as well as I play. So I should limit myself with piano. So I put out instrumentals, put out instrumental records. Well, I have one instrumental album, a tribute to the masters. Uh, it was a tribute to Chick Corea, George Duke, Russell Ferrante, quite a few people, Herbie Hancock, Chiefs Russian. Um, the, all of my albums, I think all of them but The Truth Volume 1, have inspirational songs on them. I try to have some sort of, some kind of, all of my studio records, they had to have some kind of inspiration on them. Like uh, my first album, my debut album, Love Stories, uh, His Eyes on the Sparrow is what opened the record. I wanted to give my career back to Christ with the first song on my first album, being his, you know, being a gospel to him. Um, then there's Keep Pushing On, where I'm trying to minister, where I am ministering to folks who's going through, you know, all these different walks of life, ministering to people who's going through. Um, the Truth Volume 1, I don't think would have an, an inspirational tune on it because during that time when making that record, I had a management company that was an independent label, and they got in bed together to control everything. And mm. from that experience, I said, I'll never do another label again unless I have some kind of creative control. Um, my third album, Straight From The Vault, is White Line In The Sky. And that song basically is, I call them shorties. They're too long to be introduced, but too short to be songs. White Line in the Sky is basically a man who's tired of all the havoc on the world and, and going on in this world. 
and just ready to go and find peace with God. It's ready to go, ready to check out. Um, then there's each day on that album. Each day I get down on my knees and I pray, thankful that the Lord keeps me sane. Those are the lyrics, you know. Give thanks for people like my family and a clean slate is what he starts me out with each day. So just to sum it up, my different records of mine, they, they have all of these uh, instrument, these um, inspirational tunes on them. So I'm literally in the process of compiling all of that onto one record and I'm calling it Inspire Your Life. Like there's a song called Inspire Life that's on my album, A New Beginning. So I'm calling this compilation Inspire Your Life. And it's all the instrument, all, I keep saying instrumental, sorry. It's all of the inspirational tunes from all of my records put onto one with a couple of, it'll be a couple of uh, unreleased uh, tunes that I actually remade by John P. Key. So I'm putting that on there and putting it out just so, just because that there are people out there who need some kind of something to give them some kind of strength to get through what we're going through. So I'm putting this project out for those people. Um, I don't do gospel per se. I'm not a gospel artist, though I can sing it, but I'm not. I'd rather, I'd rather consider it inspirational because of the style of singing and the style of music. Um, it's still saying something, but it's not in the style of what today's gospel is, you know. Uh, the song We Made It is basically, it's so stripped down. It's, it's just a Fender Rhodes piano. An electric bass, which I'm playing on keyboard myself, and my lead vocal and three other backing vocals done by yours truly. Everything is me, but it's gospel the way I knew it growing up. It's like the Frank McComb vocal quartet with just an electric bass and a Fender Rhodes, but a Fender Rhodes replacing an acoustic piano and Hammond B3 organ. So I wanted to come up slightly different because I'm a soul jazz artist. So I put soul and jazz into gospel. So that's that's really where I'm coming from. I, I never put myself, uh, as we all say, I don't want to put myself in a box, in a slot or a box. I want to be musically free. I'm going to keep my creativity. Um, if, I, if, I, if God allows me to sign a deal again, then he's most likely going to enable me to have some kind of creative control. <laughs> I still want to, you know, because I, I still want to have my freedom. I, I don't want to be... You know, these, these labels and situations, they will, they'll lock you into a certain style. And that's the style you have to do for that label or for that, for that album or whatnot. I still want my freedom. I really do. I want my creative freedom. Is that one of the reasons that you've chose to stay independent for so long? That's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons. I, I want my freedom. I mean, if we do the history, we go back. I was signed to Motown Records first. We're talking uh, 92 93, around that time. I was signed to Motown. I did two different projects for Motown. And we, um, I'll say I, I'm sorry, look at Motown. Well, no, we, we all look at Motown as a major black label. Absolutely. And I was signed to a major black label, two albums, and neither one of them got out. One was bootleg. The second one that I did was bootleg years later uh, in the UK for a lot of money. Um, no records out at Motown, just a couple of nuggets out, like two tunes on the uh, Meteor Man soundtrack, one with Daryl Coley, which I was honored to work with, and the other two were on a Christmas compilation called the Mojazz Christmas. Got those, just got those four pieces out. It wasn't a Frank McComb album. Um, 
So I left the label when, when Motown was bought out by Polygram for millions of dollars. So I left the label. And I went on the road with Branford Marcellus in a group called Buckshot LaFunk. Branford was signed to Columbia. Buckshot LaFunk was, uh, was the, our records went through Columbia. So I, I ended up doing a song called Another Day with Branford, Buckshot. Um, it took off, gave us a hit, you know, and it ended up getting us back on the road for another two years or so as a full band when they were ready to scrap the band. So wow. I get a deal with, Motel, with, with Columbia. No, I did a two hour showcase for Columbia. We all know Columbia as a major white label. Motown, black label, Columbia, white label, Sony, right? Um, so I did a two-hour showcase during the time I was with Buckshot. Did a two-hour showcase for the R&B department, and they passed on me to sign someone else after saying that they wanted to sign me. So about a year or so later, a year or two later, um, Branford gets me signed to Columbia Jazz after the hit Another Day takes off. And we start working on Love Stories in 1998, and cassettes are circulating around the label with this this new guy. You know, who is this new guy, Bramper's guy? And he was like, no, y'all passed on him. So we're going to try him through, through jazz. And became an internal war within the label. Had nothing to do with the music. Once again, issues of politics and money, just like Motown. But in this case, there was a record. And uh, they wanted to control it. So the president of the jazz department says, okay, we're going to put this album out. But if it sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't, oh, well. And how do you have birth? How do you give birth to a child and tell it to raise itself? That's basically what it's like. You know, you give birth to a child and tell it it has to raise itself from birth. It's going to die. <laughs> so that's what happened with Columbia, with, with my record with Columbia, Love Stories. But the people caught on. And to this day, people are still talking about that album. Like I just released it. And we're talking 20 years ago. Released because it, Love it, Stories has uh, the wedding song, right? Yep, the wedding song. So we recorded the album in 98, sat on the shelf all in 99. And then we put it out, finally got them to put it out in 2000. Um, they wouldn't push it. I was able to get out of the deal, leave Columbia. Then I hooked up with another label, an indie label. You know, black label, white label, indie label. And I'm the only one on, I'm the only artist on the roster. So I'm like, okay, we can't go wrong here. Well, sure enough, they thought they had a modern day slave. We record a record called The Truth. It was only supposed to be The Truth Volume 1. They made The Truth Volume 2 years later, or a few years later, without my consent. So that's really not my record. <laughs> so so um, they put out the truth volume one. And um, when my management got in bed with the company, I was, I was just done. I was done. So I got out of that deal with them. Um, and that's when I decided to uh, put straight from the vault out. I went over to the UK, the guy that produced the album that I did for Motown, the second one, not the first one, but the second product, product, uh, project I did for Motown was also the producer of The Truth Volume 1. And um, when I had left the label, I was young. I didn't have no money. I was fresh out from Philly. I'm from Cleveland, born and raised, but I lived in Philly before coming to LA. So I didn't have the money to try to get my master's back or none of that. And so I just went on with my life, 1994, 95, Buckshot, Columbia Records, and fast forward up to this indie label. I won't even mention their name because bad press is good press for them. So, <clears throat> so I... Um, go to England, we're pushing this album, The Truth, and come to find out there are people in the waiting room area, the dressing room, like the green room area, after I did my show, people would have copied this thing called the Motown Sessions. And it was the record that I did with the same producer back in 90, 1995, when this second album that I did for Motown was recorded. Oh, there was, it was uh, 
all standard CDs in a standard CD case, black, a white piece of paper with black lettering saying Frank McCollum Motown Sessions. And they were all CDRs. They were green on the bag, meaning that he was pressing them. He was burning them. And he was selling them from LA over to England, over in England, 50 US dollars, man. And uh, that's when I decided, okay, it's time for me to start my own thing. So I burned CDs. My wife and I would get spools of CDs and we would burn them one at a time and hand package them and sell them all around the world, you know, a CDR. Some people complain they're always green on the back, but it was, it was fine when it was, you know, somebody else doing it. But when the artist does it, we get flagged. <laughs> so, uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I said, uh, either you want the music or you don't, you know, right. and it, it just, I, I just trudged right through that and went on and did, did my thing. And, um, that was the first album where I did everything on my own, straight from the vault. And it won me my first award, best album of the year with soultracks.com, which is really big for me. And um, it, Jill Scott mentioned it in Oprah Winfrey's magazine as her favorite record, Over the Roots, Beyonce and somebody else. It was a little segment called What's in Your Ears. And she mentioned straight from the vault first. So I was, I was honored, it got me some recognition. So from there, I just kept making my records. And, and that was during the, around the time I started working with Prince. And he was the one that told me to go all the way with it. Brand yourself and go all the way with it, you know. And I've been moving ever since, man. You know, what I'm was not it like to get that I'm not, cosign? I'm, I'm, say it again. What was it like to get a cosign from Prince? Because, I mean, that's one of the most elite musicians in the world. <laughs> a cosign, a phone call, it was the coolest thing, man. <laughs> that somebody that powerful and that iconic can make the time to call you or give you some advice or sit down with you, you know, or play with you, you know, play music with you. It was a great thing, man. The times I worked with him, it was, it was a good time. It was a good time in his life at the time. So um, it was fun. A lot of fun. Never any complaints having to start a gig at 12 midnight and finishing at seven in the morning. <laughs> a lot of musicians would be wiped out, you know, but no, I was, I was able to do it. You know, I was able to do it. So far as being independent like what, what what satisfaction does that bring you be, now that you know is you because you dealt with some, you talked about all the trials and tribulations you had with record labels so now that it's all about you what is that feeling like say that once again Dude, you talked about the trials and tribulations you experienced on record labels mm-hmm. and now it's just your labels so what is it like being independent being independent has its pros and cons. It does. The, the pros is that I get to control everything. Um, uh, I get to put out what I want to put out to my fan base who like my work. Um, the con is always the money. The con is the money that you don't have that big money machine behind you. But at the same time, you don't have a, a machine behind you trying to control you either. You know, mm. uh, especially now with COVID, it's almost an even playing field. You got the mainstream cats that have been getting all the support from the record labels and the booking agencies and all the Grammys and the whole nine. And I'm not shooting that down. Don't get me wrong. Everybody's got their own walk or their own run, you know, depending on how fast paced your career is. But in a time like this, record labels have had to lay people off. Um, artists don't know what to do next, you know, other than, other than doing panels, which is not a bad thing either. Cause you still keep your face and your name out there. You do what's good for you. Um, I've been blessed to be able to still perform online by myself as wow. an independent artist. You know, wow. I can still, I, 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 I'm a solo artist. I can do solo shows. I've done many of them. I'm known for doing solo shows. So I could do solo shows online. I still have the tracks to my records 
I still perform like on Friday nights. Most Friday nights, I'm on Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. Seven o'clock Central Standard, seven o'clock Pacific Standard Time, ten o'clock Eastern. I'm gonna so, check that out. Yeah, I'll be on tomorrow. Facebook is Facebook uh, forward slash Booby Scoop B O O like a like a ghost B E E Bumblebee and Scoop Scoop. Okay. Oh, it's your record label name. Booby Scoop Music. That's the name I record label. Okay. I'm gonna check. I think I got a podcast. I'm gonna look and see. I may be recording tomorrow. But I want to check that out, though. Yeah, but you know what? I usually I usually save it to Facebook so people can see it all week. You know, put my cash app up, my PayPal, so people can donate. So, and eventually I'll probably do some some personal meet and greets online. You know, because with with these shows, they're uh, I won't say impersonal. That's kind of a harsh word, but uh, I would I would say I'm not able to read the comments and things of that nature. Yeah, I'm not very able to talk to people because I have the phone and my, my camera set up to where it's directly at me where you can see the keyboards from my right side up top. So it's facing me, you know, that right. kind of thing, you know. Um, yeah, so um, just, you know, spending the money to get the word out to to promote. I mean, it takes a lot of money to get a song on radio and, and make it a hit. We're talking about sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000. Yes. Yeah. You know, you got to be clocking some money. I remember having a conversation, not the name drop, but I was having a conversation with, with Herbie Hancock. Herbie, and we were on a show, the um, Java Jazz Festival in Indonesia some years back. And he said, so Frank, I heard you're independent. And I'm, I met Herbie when I was 16. So he's known who I was for, who, he knows who I am for years. And uh, I said, yeah, I'm independent, man. I just couldn't do, do the label thing no more. They just didn't treat me right. And now, mind you, Herbie was signed to Columbia for 20 years. So, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was just there for like two. <laughs> I said, man, the label's just not doing me right. I got all this talent, all this guilt. But it's like they want to control me. You know, uh-oh, I think that's my son. He's here. Uh, hold on a second. He's, he's texting me. Interview. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Need a minute. All right. Okay, so um, so yeah, he, he he said, man, I heard you're independent. I said, yeah, I'm independent. I am. He said, I commend you because it's expensive. I'm independent. So he hadn't been dealing with a label at the time or anything. He was doing everything out of his pocket. And he's a very, very rich man. So independence can still cost you even on your level. If you're used to selling millions of records or you're used to selling hundreds of thousands of records and you're getting Grammys and all these things, but you have to go independent. You got to maintain that. Yeah. You got to maintain that level of your career. And when it comes out of your pocket, it, it's a debt, you know? Yeah. So that's the, that's the con, you know, that, that's the con. But at the same time, I still have my freedom. Um, I have had some of the craziest things offered to me that would have made me a very, very rich man, but I would have lacked integrity. I would have lost my family. I would have gone through some things that I really would not have want, wanted to go through down the line. Yeah. Um, so I can still say that I can go to I can go to Disneyland if, if we didn't have COVID. <laughs> I can go to Disneyland <laughs> with my family and, and still have a good time. You know, I'm not no mini no mini god. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. I'm right, not right. a mini god um, where people are falling out when they see me. And I mean. And that's cool too if you want to be that, but I, I don't really want people falling out. 
like that over me. There's one God. <laughs> you know, one faith, it's one baptism. It's important that you get to you get to do your passion. So yeah, you know, and, and I'm I'm content with that. You know, um, I I I am. I had to learn to practice the art of contentment. Being a being an independent artist, you always want more, more, more. You you want to get to the next level, next level, next level. Learn to appreciate the level you're at now. And that's not always easy, man. It's not always easy, but learn to appreciate the level you're at because you got to remember there's somebody else out there that wish they were where you are. Yeah. You know, don't look to the left and right. And that's always, that's not rather always something easy to do, to not look to the left or to the right. You know, when you've given somebody a leg up when, when they weren't on your level, you gave them a leg up, gave them help, uh, gave them a platform because they weren't on your level. And then they surpass you, and then they have a platform that you wanted to be on, but they never call you back. You never hear from them again. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. So that's that kind of stuff. You you gotta learn contentment because your walk is your walk, their walk is their walk, and and and, and God knows the truth. So that's all that matters. How long did it take you to get to that point of contentment? Man. Hmm. Years, <laughs> years, and still being human, you, you still have to, you still have to deal with that, you know, you still have that in your face all the time. So it's something you practice every day. Contentment, I don't believe contentment is something that you master. You don't mm -hmm. master contentment. You practice contentment every day, every day. Contentment. I remember Bishop Noel Jones doing a sermon on contentment. My wife and I were there at City Refuge, and uh, he called people up for prayer. And I went up for prayer. He looked at me and grabbed my shoulder and just said, contentment, read right through me, man, wow. right through me. And that's when I realized, okay, I got to start doing this thing. But it wasn't easy. And it's sometimes still not easy, contentment, because we as people, we as humans, we want more and more and more. We never have enough. Even the word says that. We never have enough. We always want more, 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 mm. never. And uh, in this business, the entertainment business, period, more and more and more. You know, I heard one artist complain he didn't have enough Grammys. I had enough artists complain that he didn't sell enough uh, albums, you know. <laughs> I had one artist that I was playing for after the concerts would run through the kitchen because he didn't want to greet the people. <laughs> so I don't want to get to that point. <laughs> I just not want to get to that point ever. I don't want to become like that, man. No. I'm going to double back to something that you talked about that was really interesting because you talked about having a radio hit that you didn't have one. But in this new age, is is that even important anymore with the reach of social media? Is that important the, to have a radio the hit? Thing, the only thing that makes having a radio, a mainstream radio hit important is the money you get from the royalties from them playing it to death. Um, um, yeah. That's the main thing. I mean, because at the end of the day, radio was never my best friend anyway. I never had my music <laughs> service to radio, unfortunately. You know, um, it takes money. Uh, radio, yeah. yeah, when I was with Columbia or the, the other indie label, they never serviced music of mine to radio. They at least got records out. Motown didn't get one out. But, <clears throat> or even even the songs that I did with, you know, Meteor Man soundtrack and uh, Mojazz Christmas, they didn't take one of those songs as singles and push them. So I was never afforded that opportunity or that luxury. Uh, another day for Buckshot LaFont was 
was the biggest radio single that I've ever had because Columbia did service that one to radio, but that was before my own record was put out. So, um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, with the internet, yeah, people can, people can stream and that helps as far as like that, that's like what, what radio would be for us, you know, with people streaming the music because you, you, it still collects, but the more streams you get, the more you collect. You know, I don't think it's gonna ever beat mainstream radio. If you get mainstream radio worldwide all the time, I I think that would that would be bigger than the internet. You know, unless you got millions and millions of people streaming your song and BMI or ASCAP, they're still collecting that and getting it to you. Um, what I do love also about the internet, speaking of which, is putting out my music. I get to uh, collect the royalties, the the sales. Where when you're with a label you're only getting a, a piece of a penny, a couple a couple of pennies at max for each record sale. And uh, the books will never be, the, 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 the books will never be legitimate, you know, unless you just, and I won't, I won't say that for all labels in the world. There's gotta be one or two record labels out there that get it and that are legitimate. So I don't wanna put everybody in one box, but on, on the, <laughs> for the majority, let's just put it that way. <laughs> you're not going to get 100% sales of your record. That's impossible because they're putting up the money to make their record. They're putting up the money to make your videos. They're putting up the money uh, for all the chicks and the cars in the videos. They're putting up the money for that wardrobe. Uh, who do you think is paying for that? Yeah. The record sales is paying for it. So you're not going to see that. I mean, I had I talked to George Duke. He never got a royalty check for Reach For It, Dookie Stick, none of that stuff. The whole time he was at Epic. He never got a royalty check. Yeah. So... I can say that being independent, every sale is mine. So I push my record sales. I push my record sales because this is a living, not a hobby. You know, people see what we do as a hobby. That's why it disappoints a lot of a lot of us artists that um, you you see all these things opening. You know, sports, um, some hair salons here and there, some things here and there. But the entertainment field, they're not thinking about entertainment. So some people are still trying to take the chance, travel. Some venues in some places are still trying to take the chance and open and see what happens, you know. But as far as I'm concerned, every show that I've had this year, have, they've all reached out to me and canceled. And until somebody that I've worked with reach out to me, back to me and say, hey, we're putting it back on, I ain't taking that chance. It would have to be something that I just cannot refuse. <laughs> it would have to be something that I just cannot refuse. Yeah, so, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You've, uh, yeah. Yeah, you've, my, my you've got a lot to look back on. Yeah. You got a lot to look back on. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's, Go it's, ahead. I want it's, you to get your point out. Yeah, it's, it's the buffering. That's all. My, my, my shows don't pick back up until March of next year so far. Wow. Yeah. None of my shows are picking up until March of next year and starting in Russia because that's where I was March of this year when I had to shut down. I was in, in Moscow, Russia. It was my first trip to Russia. And um, we had a lot of sold out dates. So, so I can imagine how much money the superstars have lost. Mm. Should I say didn't make? I won't say they lost it, but didn't make. Right. Yeah, so. Yeah, man. But you were saying I have a lot to look back on. Yeah, because I, I wanted to close with that question. Because yeah. you, you've, you've had a lot to look back on. You've been in the music for over 20 years. Could you say yeah. 92, so that's like 27. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like 25, almost 30. 
Yeah, like twenty. Right. And that's 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 just that's just that's just started business. I started playing in clubs at fifteen, so I've been in in the game. Fifteen? Since I was yeah, I started playing piano at twelve. I was in the clubs at fifteen. Had my first trio at seventeen, and was musical director for the Rude Boys by nineteen. Damn. Yeah, and then I went on tour with them in ninety one. I was twenty one, and that's when I met up with Jazzy Jeff, who who I started working with in Philly. I moved to Philly to work with Jazzy Jeff. And I ended up doing session work for Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff at Philadelphia International Records. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, so while I was working with Jeff, that's where I met Carol Riddick. You know, we used to work together at a touch of jazz, doing stuff with Jazzy Jeff. We went on the road with Jazzy Jeff, Fresh Prince. Yeah, so, and then it just went on from there. Signed my deal with Mojo. Well, it was Mojazz Records, was, which was the jazz label for Motown back in uh, 92. Uh, Steve McKeever, the same gentleman who found Jill Scott, is the same gentleman who found me. He found me right there at Philly International, and uh, I was doing session work. Sang for him, and it was done, just like that. Um, wow. I visited L.A. in late 92 and uh, made a second visit. Never moved back. November 1992. <laughs> yep, November 1992. And I tell people all the time, uh, they always ask me, you going to move back to the East Coast? I don't see that happening. I started a family here, you know, um, yeah. but I, I moved. And what I love about LA is the fact that when I was growing up, I lived in places where the snow came to me and left when it felt like it. So I live <laughs> in a place where I go to the snow and leave when I feel like it. LA is a beautiful place. It really is. Just You just got to know the right places to live, you know? So where I live, I can go up to the mountains, be in the mountains, say 45 minutes. I'll be up to the mountains and watching everybody ski and say about two hours only because of traffic, I could be at the beach the same day and watch some boys surf. Wow. Same day. So I won't complain. It costs to live out here. Uh, I won't complain. <laughs> I, I won't complain. I used to complain because I had it all wrong, man. I was like, you know, I know I moved out here for the record business, blah, 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 but I didn't see the beauty of California. You know, people, they lose their minds to move out here. You know, it'd be like that. I mean, people are coming here to, to the tourist spots that I just drive by. Yeah, I was once that guy, but you get it out your system. But I was so caught up into playing the music, and oh, I'm here to make music, make music, and not realizing the beauty of Los Angeles or the, the beauty of California, should I say? You know, it's a lot of beautiful places to see in California. A lot of people they diss California because they don't know. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's a beautiful place. Yeah. What What would you? The, the The question I wanted to make sure I ended with because I'm sure it's important to somebody. Mm -hmm. As an independent artist, what would be the best advice you would give for them to, to sustain their career? Own your masters and, and uh, manipulate it in a positive sense. Manipulate your masters. Create, create your royalties. You know, something I have to tell myself to do right now, have a bigger presence online. Because I haven't been online lately because I'm, I'm just tired of looking at bad news, man. Yeah, I can't, I can't watch the news at home. I watch just enough to know what's going on and keep up with current. And then once I can't take no more, I'm turning to Good Times. I'm turning to the Jeffersons. I'm turning <laughs> to the Burnett Show. I'm turning to Hogan's Heroes. I'm turning to some comedy. I'm turning to ridiculousness because I got to laugh, man. Sun, Starsky and Hutch, Columbo. <laughs> I love those <laughs> TV, you know, but uh, I just, I can't do it. So, I, But I got to get back online. And I got to push. I got to push my product. So you just cannot lose the hunger. Don't lose the hunger for your art. Don't lose the hunger. Don't let the world um, 
knock your, your, your drive out of you, especially in a time like now. It's hard. It's really hard to, to, um, to be creative. It, it, I was not name dropping. I was just talking to Johnny Gill not even an hour ago. And Johnny and I were talking about just what we have to do. We got to stay home. Johnny said to me, he said, man, if, if I can walk past the mirror and ask myself, no, no, how do you say it? He said, he said, I can still walk past the mirror and smile. Then I, I know I'm alive. I'm good. <laughs> he, said, definitely he, said, I had, he said, I had to ask myself, am I okay being by myself chilling to stay alive? And he said, yeah. I asked myself, yeah. I'm good with it. <laughs> That's the blessing. Yeah, Definitely man. Blessing. Yeah. So uh just just make the best of, of of every release. Make the best of every record. Make it keep a strong online presence and 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 um interact with people. You know, that, but make their interaction with people limited. Don't let people in too deep or too close because uh people can be crazy, man. <laughs> be crazy. So have some discernment. Okay. Have some discernment and uh, count your money. Uh, oh, another thing is be practical. Don't go out and try to buy the most expensive car. You know, get the biggest house if your ship come in big. Um, be practical. Live a practical lifestyle. You know, don't, don't live above your means and hurt yourself. Definitely. Don't do it. Don't live above your means. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I would tell anybody who wants to sustain in this business mainly independent artists. Absolutely. I just pray I just pray that those that have had all the opportunities given to them, all the booking agents booking them, all the dates, um, all the record support, you know, you get money out of labels if you can. I just pray that they all did right by their money because nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw this coming, man. Nobody. Mm. Yeah, nobody saw it coming. So, yeah, live a practical lifestyle. Count your own money. <laughs> that is some great advice to close on and me personally as a fan of your work I'm truly humbled and honored that you lended your time to my platform and I truly appreciate it all good bro thanks for thanks for the platform <laughs> I don't take anything lightly I don't take nobody for granted you know I, I don't underestimate nobody so yeah it's all good bro thank you good. yep yeah. Can you make sure you tell the people how to follow you and, and, and also hopefully watch the concert? Oh, yeah. Instagram is Frank McComb, F-R-A-N-K-M-C-C-O-M-B. Um, Twitter is at Mr. Frank McComb. Um, Facebook is forward slash Booby Scoot, B-O-O-B-E-E-S-C-O-O-T. And I'm performing live on Facebook on Friday nights, 7 o'clock Pacific, uh, 9 o'clock uh, Central, and 10 o'clock Eastern. Yeah, so I'll be on I'll be on um, on Friday. All right. Yeah. Well, again, thank you, sir, for your for your time. I truly appreciate it. Oh, and one last thing, if it's okay. Oh, where, to get, where to get the music? FrankMacomb.bandcamp.com. B-A-N-D-C-A-M-P. FrankMacomb.bandcamp.com. And and we artists, we appreciate it when you download our music and get it from from iTunes and Spotify and all those different places. Um, but if you go to my Bandcamp, that's like my personal iTunes. Stream the music there, download the music there. When you download the music from other sources, we as an artist get paid for that download probably three months later. But when you go to my Bandcamp page, frankmacomb.bandcamp.com, and you download music from there, then we as the artist, you get your music right away, but we get paid within two days. 
Oh, okay. Well, okay. support support the artist and not the system. That's my trademark logo. Support the artist, not the system. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. And I wish you all the best moving forward. Um, you know, once everything closes, I mean, once this COVID clears and everything yeah, opens yeah. back up, I'm sure yeah. you'll hit the road again. So oh, yeah. all the best with that. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Thank Good you. To you. Thank you. Take care. Um, I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me at conversations underscore with underscore lamp on IG. You all have a great day.